Why, hello there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery and General Podcast. I'm host number one, Al, and joining me today, host number two, Mr. Chad. And we're here tonight to make sweet, sweet love to our microphones and sweet, sweet, sweeter love to your earbuds. We've talked about many things here on the podcast. We've talked about role-playing games. We've talked about movies. We've talked about the peace and love of Cthulhu, the Great One. But today we're going to talk about something, as Monty Python would say, a little bit different. We're going to actually be starting a review on a TV series on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Okay, I don't think I can keep up the uh, the pathetic attempt at a sexy DJ voice any longer. What about you? Uh, I'm sporting wood over here, Al. I don't know. You're sporting wood. <laughs> <laughs> you but well, anyway between your voice and what we're going to talk about man i just i'm just you know okay so today we're going to be well we're going to be doing people here now as people hear what we're talking about they're gonna be like that guy's sick <laughs> but we're going to be doing a series where it might not necessarily be every week but you know something we do occasionally kind of like how we do our uh, movie reviews for netflix we're going to be doing uh we're going to be taking a look at the different series, the different episodes of a series on Netflix that I got into, and I'm hoping to get Chad into, called Black Mirror. It's a British sci-fi series. Oh, it's an anthology series. In a way, it's similar to, like, The Twilight Zone or Outer Limits. Those old shows where the episodes themselves really don't have anything to do with each other in most cases. Now. As you start to watch the series, Chad, you will notice, yeah, you will notice things from, you know, different episodes pop in at other episodes. So we're going to start with uh, season one, episode one. And Chad, I assure yes. you, and I've told everyone who I've ever tried to get into this show, I've told them once you get past the pig f***ing it's actually a very intelligent, very well-written series. So you're going to have to trust me on this. Thing my therapist told me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyways, so we're going to, like I said, episode one, season one of Black Mirror. So when we were hanging out at uh, New Game of Palooza a few weeks ago, you know, I, I started explaining this series to you. And what were your thoughts about what I was telling you about the series and the idea behind the series. Well, I'll be honest with you. I've only seen the first episode so far. It gets um, better. What's that? It gets better. Trust me. Like I said, you got to give it a little chance. My main criticism I... with the series is I think they put the worst episode first. But anyways, go on. Well, I think maybe they were doing that as kind of a, you know, like sometimes when you take certain majors in college, there's certain certain classes you have to get through that kind of like weed people out. Maybe that's what they're doing for their series. Is they're like, if they can make it past this, those are the people we want watching our show. Exactly. So, as I said, now when we talk about sci-fi, you know, it's not about like you know laser guns and spaceships and stuff like that. At least to give you a taste of things to come, most of the episodes aren't about laser guns and spaceships. There will be a little bit of that later on, though. Well, you know, 
you had told me that there wasn't very many episodes, and I went out and I looked, and there's actually four seasons of Black Mirror at this point. However, they're short seasons. Yeah, they're, it's definitely a very binge-watching, binge-worthy series. I mean, you could probably easily binge-watch the entire series in a long weekend. You know, so... Quite possibly. I mean, there are like 42-minute episodes, so... It's not like some some British television where you get, oh, there's only four episodes, but they're each four hours long. So there's that. Uh, but, you know, you you had kind of told me about it, and you said, okay, if you can make it through the first episode, you'll be fine. Not, there's nothing like that again. And actually, I was quite intrigued by the first episode, to be completely honest with you. Um, the, the whole pig f***ing is... is it's something different. I mean, it's part of the episode, but it's not really. The only the only thing that, that really got me is, why did he have to f*** the pig for an hour? Okay, well, let's get out. I don't think he had, there was a specific time for how long he had to f*** the pig, and I am going to have to do a lot of censoring for this episode. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just that. Um, okay, so let's go back to the beginning so we can tell people why we're talking about pig f***ing. Uh, please note that... Oh, yes. Before we go on even further, due to the subject matter of what this episode is about, uh, you, if you haven't figured it out already, you probably don't want to listen to this around your kids. Otherwise, you know, if, if your kids come up to you and say, Mommy, Daddy, what's pig f***ing? You've been warned. Don't blame us. However, I kind of want to see what your kids, how your kids react to us talking about pig f***ing. <laughs> But that's the kind of sick, sadistic, twisted bastard I am. So, let's move on. Okay. So, the series starts with the British Prime, Prime Minister, Michael Callow, being awoken to learn that a popular member of the royal family, Princess Susanna, has been kidnapped. And in order to uh, have her life saved, or life spared, the Prime Minister has to perform an indecent act with a pig live on national television. And needless to say, he's not too happy about this. And of course, uh, you know, his team was, you know, and was assuring him that they're doing all they can to try to, you know, find where the princess is as well as, you know, track down who's making these threats. And again, it does get into a little bit of technology here. It shows us that lesson once something gets out on the internet, for the most part, that genie is not going back in the bottle. True, true. Um, what was it? Something like 40,000 some hits in under like 20 minutes or something? Yeah, something like that. And it was on YouTube. And, you know, even when they try taking it down, of course, it's gone all over. So pretty much the uh, the prime minister, you know, realizes that he's going to be in a very tough situation. And again, we were talking about this uh, when we were hanging out at the convention that you, you really have to feel sorry for the guy because he's been put in a situation that no one should have to get put into. Because you think about it, okay, his because what happens is as you, you learn as the series, the show goes on, his wife, Jane, begs him not to do it. And... You know, so again, it puts him in a very difficult situation. If he does it, yeah, he saves a life, but his wife is going to hate him. If he doesn't yeah. do it, well, then the princess dies, 
and you know okay he still has his relationship is with his wife but now pretty much everyone in the united kingdom hates his guts see and i didn't read it that way as i was watching the show i mean sure there would be some that are like well why wouldn't you just do it with a pig to save the princess but i think overall i i think it, it shows how politicians are so afraid to lose their position you know, that he's willing to give up his life at home with his wife so that he can save the princess because that guarantees that he's going to get reelected or, you know, reappointed. I don't know how prime minister gets put in power, but I'm pretty, I think it's a, yeah, I'm pretty isn't sure it appointed is by the crown. I think it's elected. So if we have any listeners over there in the UK, uh, you know, feel free to, you know, send an email to POI game studio at uh, gmail.com or, you know, feel free to, uh, you know, comment on uh, the Facebook page. Because, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm pretty sure the prime minister is an elected position, but I might, you know, I might be wrong on that. So we're going to get into the, a little bit more into the plot as it thickens in just a moment. <laughs> It was a dark and stormy night, and the hosts of the Queens of the Damned podcast had just gathered around the fire with their tomes of forgotten lore. Don't forget the wine! And a lot of wine, much of which had already been imbibed. For her part, Miranda was discussing... A history of Frankenstein, from its conception to Karloff's beloved role as the monster. And Rachel would continue with... Vincent Price. Like, everything about Vincent Price. And as the fire died down, Nikki would conclude the evening with something related to gothic literature, probably. You know me so well. Do you like listening to three women debate about the cultural significance of the horror genre? And also axe murders. I do love a good old-timey axe murder story. Then Queens of the Damned, a horror podcast, is the show for you. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere you can download a podcast. Visit us at queensofthedamnedpodcast.wordpress.com, qotdpodcast.podbean.com, or email us at qotdpodcast at gmail.com for more details about our monthly horror giveaways. Stay spooky! Okay, so the as we were saying, again, he's putting this very you know, uncomfortable position. And I think you made a good point that, I mean, okay, let's just look at American politics. How many of our elected officials would be, you know, would, how would they react if they were put into that situation? So naturally uh, the, you know, the, the government has some ideas for how they might be able to fake it. Like they had a, you know, a, a pornographic actor come in and they were going to have him, you know, dress like the prime minister and put a, you know, like a, a green thing over his head. And then I, I think they were assuming that they were going to, you know, they were going to uh, CGI his face in there. Yeah. And they were going to CGI a pig over someone who would actually be taking it, you know. So just out of curiosity, did you catch because they contacted a TV director to try to. Um, you know, to run how they could possibly fake it. Did you catch mm -hmm. the name of the TV show they were talking about? I did. Well, I might have. It's been like two weeks since I've watched it, so I don't remember. Uh, they mentioned a show called Sea of Tranquility. Okay. 
keep that name in mind. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. So anyways, so the, however, uh, they're not able to go through with this because also during the episode, um, the, you know, they think they found where uh, the kidnapper is and how they might be able to rescue Sarah or Susanna. Uh, but unfortunately, when they go there, they find out that it was pretty much just, uh, you know, it was pretty much just a red herring. Yeah, it was a red herring. And, you know, by now he also they uh, word got out that this this pornographic actor who they were going to uh, CGI into the, the video, they found out that, you know, he was on the scene. So the the kidnapper pretty much figured out right away that okay this is what they're going to try to do and again they you know made some other thing uh, he made some other demands because they wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to be able to get faked and you know the prime minister really was going to be forced to perform an indecent act on a pig right and and he went so far as to cut off the finger of princess Susanna. yep and then they get that finger and of course that's when they realize okay this guy is serious and again, it's gotten to the point where, you know, by now they realize that they're out of options. And I well, have right. to say, the villain, the kidnapper in this uh, episode is actually quite smart compared to how most uh, kidnappers and villains and blackmailers act. Because usually, you know, you, you watch uh, TVs and movies, it's usually like, okay... I've got this doomsday device and I'm going to give you 48 hours or 36 hours or whatever to give into my demands. You know, give me one million dollars. Uh, sir, um, no, um, that's that's not enough. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Awesome. One billion dollars. Yes, sorry, I just thought about that from the uh, Austin Powers movie. It's like, uh, sir, uh, yeah, a million dollars isn't that much anymore. Anymore, we make more than that in a day. <laughs> but, anyways, as I said, usually villains tend to give them like you know a few days after they announce their you know their plan. Right. He was like, okay, you're doing this in twelve hours, or the princess gets it. Yeah, pretty much. So he's pretty actually pretty smart for a villain, but. Anyways, so after, you know, once once they finally realize that, okay, there's, he has to go through with it. Again, his wife, very unhappy with him. And one of the reasons is the, one of his assistants uh, informs him that if he doesn't go through with it, they can't guarantee his safety. Because at this point, it's pretty much... It's gone, you know, public opinion has turned against him, you know, right. where initially people felt kind of sorry for him and they were more sympathetic. But now it's like they realize, OK, this is serious. If he doesn't do it, then, you know, Princess Sus Susanna gets murdered. And, you know, the uh, so like I said, they they make it sound like, OK, if you pretty much have to do this or otherwise you're probably going to have an angry, uh, you know, you're probably going to have an angry mob on you. Mm -hmm. Now I think we need to we need to take a little sidestep here too and talk about the involvement of the uh, the TV networks and all the people that are reporting the news in quotation marks. Yep. Because there are several times where at first the 
the prime minister's office puts out like a, a hush notice. You can't talk about this. And then one one news group breaks, and then they all just kind of go over the top. And and unfortunately, that's the way news has become. It's all about getting that first scoop, getting that sensationalized scoop, getting that scoop that everybody and their brother would be better not knowing about in most cases. But because it brings eyes to the newspaper or eyes to the TV, they go for it. And it, pull, it it plays a very big role in this show up to the point where one of the reporters gets shot. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but... We're about on track here, so yeah, that's... Keep going. So she is trying to get this scoop, and she has figured out um, pretty much the same way that the group of the prime minister had figured out where this guy was holding the princess or where they thought they were holding the princess. And she gets caught by these special forces guys that were going in to save the princess... And they run her down and they shoot her in the leg. And basically all they do is confiscate her camera and then just leave her lay there, kind of. Yeah. And uh, and again, you can't blame the, the, you know, the police for shooting her because, again, I'm, they don't know who she, you know, they might not know who she is. And they, they several times they told her to stop, to, you know. And again, they don't know if she's on the plot or not, but or if she's in on the plot. And again, I right. think it's... Uh, you know, you're making a good point. I think it's also making a statement on how our media acts where, and again, you said it, I think you said it right, rightly, where they're just trying to get, you know, that, like the paparazzi, you know, they're always trying to get that compromising picture of, you know, some famous rock star or some famous actor or actress. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And sometimes they're willing to do questionable things to get it. And unfortunately, you know, didn't Princess Diana, uh, that was kind of one of the things that factored into her death, wasn't it? Yeah, paparazzi were chasing her limo um, as part of it. I mean, that's really getting into a much deeper conspiracy theory. But yes, paparazzi was involved in her car crashing in the town in, in France. After that journalist gets shot, and again, the uh, they're convincing him, uh, Callow's uh, cabinet is convincing him that pretty much if he doesn't do it, he's pretty, you know, his career's probably over. The public's going to despise him. He's never going to get reelected. And so they announce that right as they're starting to get ready for it, okay, you'll, you'll be sedated, the pig will be sedated. And that, uh, you know, they, they remind people that after midnight, any possessions of that recording will be illegal. But then again, how many people do you know would want to have a, a recording of a politician f***ing a pig? Stupid a pig? I don't know. Yeah, I can't think of anyone either. But anyways, so, and again, they, I think the, the guy who was playing Callow really, I think he did a really good job portraying this, you know, that look, you know, how he would have been feeling. Because, you know, he's walking towards the, you know, the room and he's like got kind of that thousand yard stare, you know, like this. As he's walking towards the room, they give him a small cup of something. And his little toady there, that woman next to him said something to the effect of this will help you get through it. So I don't know, were they sedating him as well or were they giving him some sort of uh, miracle liquid to, you know, make sure he lasts long enough? 
I'm. I think they were probably trying. It was implied that they were trying to sedate him. Um, okay. Because yeah, I mean, let's face it, the guy has to go f- a pig. There's not. Well, that's my thing, and that that's my other problem is, and that's why I kind of wonder: was it sedation or was it something to help him out? Because who gets sexually aroused looking at a pig? Well, remember they did have a couple of monitors up in front, so it's like. Um, you know, I'm sure they probably yeah, had some. Yeah, there was porn playing on it. They, I mean, they show a couple, you know, ten yard glimpses of it, and you definitely get the feeling that he's looking at porn or, or pictures of girls or something. Yeah, and then, you know, of course, after the, you know, the act is finally done, and again, he, I thought the guy playing him uh, did a really good job, really conveying what that guy was feeling. I'm not sure I would have made it to the bathroom to vomit. I'm not sure I would have made it through the whole pig thing without vomiting, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone would have. But so, and again, there was, I remember there were people discussing before it started. It's like, is he really going to do it? Is he going to do it? I think he's going to do it. And it's like, you know, it's almost like some people were kind of amused by it. And, you know, kind of that whole, well, better you than me attitude. So while he's doing it, it cuts away to a scene of a bridge and there we see Princess Susanna there, you know, kind of stumbling along on the bridge. And then we find out this is where everything kind of comes to bear, where... This is the twist. Yes, the twist. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan would be proud. So what it turned out, you know, of course, because what turned out is that the kidnapper, uh, first they find out that the finger belonged to a man, not to Princess Susanna. And they also found out that she was released before the act began because the kidnapper realized that everyone was going to be glued to their set. So right. he could, you know, very easily release her. You know, she was drugged up, but otherwise unharmed. And, you know, well, uh, you know, the, the prime minister is in there in the, you know, vomiting, very understandably vomiting in the toilet. Uh, that's when the his assistants outside they realize that she was you know f- was found safe, and you know that's where they decide they're not going to tell him. You know they're just going to let him feel that they're they're not going to tell him that. Look, uh, you know if we had known about this a little earlier, you wouldn't have had to do it. But you know they're going to let him have that illusion that you know he he did it actually he, saved her. Yes, yeah. exactly. And again, this is where we get that twist where we find out that the person who kidnapped her, uh, and he also had committed suicide, and he did oh, this. Sorry, that just pisses me off. I'm sorry. You wanted to see that guy get caught and maybe gunned down by the police? I don't know what I wanted to see, but, and it, and it's not just in TV either. It's in real life. I have a real hard problem or a real big problem with people who don't take responsibility for what they do. I, I always the, the the phrase murder suicide just irks me. It's a coward's way out. You don't have to face what you did. You can do whatever you want, and then just kill yourself. And sure, history's going to think of you as this horrible person, but you never have to see that. You don't have to go through this. You don't have to see what you've done, how it affects other people. You just kind of do your thing and then disappear. Yeah. And yeah, that's true, because I'm sure that a lot of people, you know, probably would have wanted to see that uh, guy get what was coming to him for this, you know, terrible act that he had caused to happen. So, and again, he did it because he wanted to convey how people get obsessed with the media. And I think, 
And that's where I think the whole thing of the show is, and we'll discuss that in uh, just a moment, but as the, the show ends with a year later, where Princess Susanna's pregnant and, you know, she's doing well, uh, Callow's approval rating has improved, and, you know, him and his wife, they're keeping up appearances. They're playing the happy couple out in public, but when they get home... She goes stone cold. So, again, again, that's where you have to feel sorry for... Uh, the prime minister in this show because yeah he's okay he's riding high on the approval ratings uh Susanna she's safe and you know she's getting on with her life but he's been his life his marital life anyway is pretty much done once he's done being prime minister she's gone like she will do her job as the prime minister's wife until such time that he's no longer prime minister but the minute he's done she's gone there's there's nothing left between the two of them. She just becomes this cold, icy being that wants nothing to do with them. Yeah, and, and again, it's one of those things where, I, I again, it's kind of hard. All, you also kind of look at it from her point of view. I mean, you know, what, you know, any woman out there, you know, if your husband performed an indecent act on a pig in order to save someone else's life because they probably didn't tell his wife again that, uh, you know, Susanna was released before it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, how would she react? You know, would she kind of accept it? Or would, as you say, would she become this, you know, icy cold person who wants nothing to do with him anymore? It kind of goes back to the question you asked me, Al, at New Game of Palooza. Do you remember the question I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, we were talking about, okay. If you had to save someone, if you had to perform an indecent act on a pig to save someone else's life, would you do it? And both of us pretty much reached that conclusion that, well, it was nice knowing you. We've had some good times together, but. Exactly. I don't know, man. I, you know, if it was if it was one of my daughters or my wife, maybe I can't even say for sure I would because I just I don't know. I don't know. But then how do you live with yourself the rest of your life going, I could have saved them if only I would have, you know, whatever. You know, that reminds me of this uh, Mortal Dilemma. There's this book that um, I actually forgot. I think I saw it on a TV show, and it may have been in a book as well. But, there, okay, picture this situation. Okay. You see a train going down a train track, and there's five workers that are busy doing something. And, right. you know, because of the, 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 the train is, of course, you know, how, you know, tooting and, and blowing its whistle. But because of the noise, these workmen can't hear them. And, you know, so it's the train, there's not enough time for it to stop. So if this train keeps going, five men are going to die. However, next to you is a switch. You can pull that switch and that'll send the train onto a different track However, there's one person there who's, again, in the same situation where, you know, he's working on something and there's no way that the train is going to stop in time to avoid hitting him. What do you do? Because think of it that way. Think of it this way. You do nothing. Okay, you're blameless. However, five, technically you're blameless, but five people died, but you could have saved them. You throw that switch, only one person dies, but you killed him. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's a brain tickler, man. 
Yeah, and here's a, another one too. Uh, and this one, this one actually has, depending on your culture that you come from, actually does have somewhat of an ethical answer to it. Okay. So let's say you, your wife, and uh, you know you, your wife, one of your daughters, and one of your parents are on a whitewater rafting trip. Okay. And something happens. Everyone gets thrown off the raft except you. Okay. And you've got the, you know, so again, your wife, one of your daughters, and one of your parents are in the water. You've got a lifeline. You can only save one of them, and, you know, there's only enough time to save one of them. Who should you save? Funny. Um, Nikki and I have had this conversation. I don't know why, but one time we were talking about this, and we both decided that we save the child simply because they have the most life left to live. Okay. They have the biggest loss or the potentially biggest loss of life time if they, if they die. Yeah. And I think that's what most people would do. But the friend of mine who I was talking about this with said, uh, he was saying that in like Chinese culture though, the correct answer would be to save your parent. Right. Cause they have the most knowledge. Well, no, it's more like this. You can get remarried. You can have more children, but you'll never have another mom or dad. Okay, I see that. But, okay, getting back to the show, I mean, that was still somewhat kind of relevant because, again, we're talking about this whole idea of, you know, if someone's life is in your hands, what do you do? Science fiction doesn't always have to be about spaceships and laser guns. Science fiction can also cover things like the real effects of real science, the imagined effects of imaginary science, the imagined effects of of real science, and then also, as I said, science, technology, and society. And that's where this one falls in that last category. Because uh, I think one of the points they're trying to make is, at least in my opinion, I think he was conveying how people become so obsessed with the media and with the news and what's going on uh, again because we live in the world of the 24-hour news cycle you know where anytime during the day you can go on the internet or you can turn on cable news and you can get news stories and, and I, one of the reasons I think that uh, the person who wrote the script had a good point here is because as you as you watched it as he the Prime Minister was about to perform the act people were losing track of the fact that a woman's life is in on the line here they mm -hmm. were more it seemed they were more concerned about is the prime minister gonna fuck a pig well here let me let me let me throw this at you this was something i was thinking about from since the first time you brought up this point about being obsessed with social media and that kind of stuff isn't it this guy the kidnapper the murderer the the suicide guy isn't it his obsession with everybody else being obsessed with social media that brings him to the point that he's willing to kidnap royalty? Yeah, I guess you could say that because, um, as I said, he was trying to, uh, you know, again, he was trying to make, I think what he thought he was doing is he thought he was going to try to make people realize that maybe we shouldn't be obsessed about the media and the news all the time. But again, you're right where, what's that? I I just don't get why he killed himself. I just probably, I mean, but probably so that way I mean, he wouldn't. Oh, go ahead. 
I was gonna say, I, I mean the the fact that yes, he kidnapped the royal, but they really had no clue who this guy was. They really had no clue where he was. And it's only through his suicide that his identity is even known. So, I mean, he could have released her. He could have made his point, whatever it was in his twisted mind, and continued to live. Well, most likely, most likely at some point they would have figured out who he was and got him. But I just, I, a lot of this show doesn't make sense to me. I understand the commentary of it all, and I understand what they were trying to do. But the way that it was carried out, I just don't. I just don't find there to be a connectivity between the two. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, and I think you also made a good point where, where there was the commentary on the media, how, you know, journalists, well, okay, journalists sometimes do have to take their life on the line in order to get a story. And I'm not always talking about, you know, the, the trash media. I'm talking about right. like a reporter that's covering a hurricane or, you know, the wildfires in California or some other natural disaster. You know, they, Absolutely. you know, there's an element of danger for them. And in this case, though, it's like, okay, that journalist was taking the unnecessary risk because, you know, she, she knew that the police were going in there because they thought that this is where the princess was. And she was willing to get shot just to be, just to have that chance at being the first person to get that story. Right. And I don't know if there's that many people out there, reporters out there that would truly do that. I mean, because, yeah, they, they do this with the, you know, like you said, the hurricanes and such. But in most cases, and as we've seen this past summer, <laughs> a lot of that's faked. A lot of it's done differently to make it look like there's it's worse than it really is. Okay, are you talking about that one where I think it may have been Jim Acosta on CNN? Yes. That was taken out of context. I remember reading an article about that on, I think it was Snopes, but that was taken out of context. No, he wasn't trying, that was from something totally different. He wasn't trying to do it just to make the, you know, the hurricane, the, the hurricane look worse than it was. But again, and I think it still does show the effect of media how it does influence people's thoughts. And and I, we talked a little bit about this when we were discussing conspiracy theories, that you know sometimes people, if you make something palatable enough, they'll believe that there's an alien invasion that's eminent, that, or imminent, that you know there's a fleet of alien invaders on the other side of the moon if the right news story makes it seem plausible or palatable to them. Mm-hmm. But... Well, any final thoughts on this episode? Um, you know, the the whole pig thing is kind of disturbing. And they talk about it a lot more than you actually see any of it. Which is good. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy with the fact that we don't see it. But I, I gotta say, I, I think I'm gonna like where this series goes. It makes you kind of look at how things are happening in the world now versus perhaps the way they happened even when you and I were kids, you know, versus 
the way they happen now. So I think it'll be interesting to see how this develops. I want, I'm hoping, and I know you've seen a lot more of it than me. I don't know if you've seen all four seasons yet. Yes, but, I have. Okay. I hope the writing gets better. That is my biggest critique on this is the writing. Yeah, it does. Um, like I said, it's it's like any anthology series. Some episodes are better than others. Now, episode two, uh, which I'm not sure when we're going to get around recording that, but it's called 15 Million Merits. It's actually a really good episode. It's one of my favorite episodes in the series. Um, okay. So, like I said, I think you'll probably like that one a little bit better than than this one. But still, I think mm -hmm. even though it's not my favorite episode, and I think it is one of the weaker episodes... I still think it had, it did make some good, it did, it still had some uh, thought-provoking moments in it. And that's Absolutely. One of, yeah, and that's one of the things that I like about this series, and I certainly hope that as we continue to watch it and review it, that you'll, you'll find yourself watching the episode and then going, you know, that's an interesting point. Or, right. you know, I never thought about things that way. Yeah, and honestly, I'm looking forward to the next episode, and and I look forward to when we sit down and, and we discuss it, too. Okay. So. Well, until that time, though, Chad, if people want to hear more of you, where can they find you if they want to hear more of uh, some of your other podcasts that you're doing? Well, you know, recently, Al, we kind of we split away from Point of Insanity. Um, we, of course, uh, us here at Eclectic Media Project, we thank you for your time and your support throughout it all. But we now, well, you can find us in a, in a lot of different places currently. Um, you can find us on Podbean, same as you, um, just on a different channel called Eclectic Media Project. You can also find us on Facebook at Eclectic Media Project on Facebook. Um, our website is up and running. It's www.eclecticmediaproject.com. You can find us on iTunes as well now. So, yeah, I'm, I think that's everywhere right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I, I did download your episodes. I'm glad that you are finally on iTunes now because, I don't know, I don't. I I think the the iPhone podcast app has a better interface than the, the Podbean app. So, oh, okay. yeah, you know, so yeah, just in case anyone's interested, you can't see it, but there's a dagger in my back right now. I mean, there's no bad blood between. <laughs> Ouch, Al. No, uh, no, there's you no. Know, you know, you can make your little jokes, but from day one, that was the whole plan. Is at some point we would split from you, but we're still, we're still, you know, compatible. We're still empatico. We're still good friends. We're still yes. gonna like <laughs> help each other out. We're still gonna do cross promotions, that kind of stuff. So it's all good. Yeah, as I said, I mean, we're not... So, Chad, are you saying you used me and then you threw me aside like a bag of moldy tangerines? Well, I wouldn't say tangerines. <laughs> Do you know... I'd say more along the line of uh, potatoes. Oh, okay. No, wait, potatoes kind of make vodka, so hold on. <laughs> Do like you know vodka. Where... Do you know where that line about uh, throwing me out like a bag of moldy tangerines comes from? I think it's UHF, isn't it? Yep, that's right, UHF. So, But anyways, uh, so I'd like to thank you all for listening, and have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and 
happy gaming and watching TV shows and binge watching and here's hoping that you never have to fuck a pig. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.